take out your Bible and turn with me this morning to the Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of Luke and find chapter 2. Boys and girls, you're dismissed for children's church as you're heading out. Everyone else, take your Bible with me and turn to the Gospel of Luke. Once you find Luke's Gospel, uh, turn to chapter 2. We are uh, continuing really in our series that we've been in through the last number of weeks. And that, I'll just give you a fair warning, we'll be in for all of 2024. Uh, the story of salvation. We are working week by week through the entire gospel of Luke. And uh, this morning, we are coming to a passage in the Christmas story that is probably not as well known as others. I don't know about you, but uh, as we've been in this time over the last number of weeks, we've been waiting and looking forward to what? Oh, y'all haven't been looking forward to it very well. Looking forward and waiting for what? Okay, or Christmas. It's like we can't say the word Christmas in church, all right? Uh, how many of you are looking forward to Christmas? Can I see your hand? And uh, we're looking forward to that. I know we were in, a, in our house this year with a three-year-old. Christmas was the buzzword. And uh, all week long, actually all month long, we're looking forward to Christmas and gifts and Santa and what is he bringing me and, and just waiting and waiting and, and counting down the days. And, and Ashlyn's phrase right now is, is it next Saturday? It doesn't matter how long away it can be. Is, is it next Saturday? And so, you know, we're kind of holding up the days and counting down the days. And, well, wait, wait, wait. So if we wake up and sleep, then what do we do? You know, and, well, we're going to, oh, it's going to be Christmas, you know, so we're counting down, especially the three-day countdown. That got really exciting uh, in our house as we were looking forward to Christmas. But there's a sense of waiting. There's a, there's a time of waiting. And then this morning, uh, the passage that we've opened to in our Bibles is a theme of waiting. It's a theme of waiting that is introduced to us by these two characters, and we find them in the temple. Their names are Simeon and Anna. I dare say those names are not the quick names that come to your mind as you think about the Christmas story. You know, we're, we're all familiar with the Christmas story and the characters of the Christmas story. We know Joseph and Mary and baby Jesus. We know the wise men and the shepherds and the angels. And in fact, I dare say for some of us, our understanding of the Christmas story, uh, the sheep and the donkeys rank higher in the story than Simeon and Anna. And yet, a whole passage in our Bible is devoted to these two Christ followers, and they really capture for us what it means in this season of Advent to wait. You've opened your Bible there in Luke chapter 2. I want you to stand with me, and we'll begin reading together in verse 21. Follow with me as I read the story. The Bible says, And at the end of eight days, when he, that is Christ, was circumcised, he was called Jesus. And given uh, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it was written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or of two young pigeons. And now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was a righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death 
before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the spirit to the temple. And when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him, according to the custom of the law, they took him, he took him in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now are you letting your servant depart in peace according to your word? For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phimiel of the tribe of Asher. And she was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Israel, of, of Jerusalem. This is the word of the Lord. May God add his blessings to it. You may be seated. This is God's word. And as we come into this passage of the story, we, we, we discover something so special about the Christmas story in these characters of Simeon and Anna. As we just peer into this magnificent story, we are confronted with these two individuals who teach us so much. They Really, as, as I've studied this week, there's so many similarities between Simeon and Anna. And yet from them, we're going to draw four important observations that stand out to us from their life. And so this morning, I want you to see first that Simeon and Anna are ordinary people, yet they are deeply devoted worshipers of God. They're worshipers. Notice in your Bible, uh, verse 25, the Bible describes Simeon as being righteous and devout. So, so Simeon was faithful to the Lord. In the same way, we find Anna as well. Verse 36, Luke describes Anna as a prophetess. What does that mean? She was simply gifted in proclaiming and boldly proclaiming uh, the truth of God. And so here we find Simeon and Anna, both of them faithful, devoted worshipers of God. And in verse 37, we're told of Anna that she had been a widow for many years. And, and because of that, notice what happened. The end of verse 37, she did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. So here's Simeon described as righteous and devout. Here is Anna in the temple, faithfully worshiping, fasting and praying. And what do we discover about these two individuals at the temple? Both of them are faithful worshipers of God. They were devoted to the Lord. And as such, they were in tune with what God was doing in that day and age when many people were not. In fact, what we discover is that they're both in the temple and they're both anticipating something. Both of them are looking forward to something. The Bible tells us that Simeon had been given insight by the Spirit of God that God was up to something big. 
And that he was going to, Simeon was going to see the Lord's Christ before he died. And so we're not told really how old Simeon is, but the passage really does kind of lead us to believe that Simeon is well advanced in years. And how long had he had that promise? Was it a day? Was it two days? Maybe it had been a month. Maybe it was decades that Simeon had been given insight by the Spirit of God that there would be this one, this Messiah who would come and Simeon would lay eyes on him before his death. And so what do we discover about Simeon and Anna? They're faithfully worshiping the Lord and they are devoted to Christ. Notice they are faithful worshipers of the Lord. And the Bible says in verse 25, notice the Holy Spirit was upon him, that's Simeon, and it had been revealed to him by the Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Can I ask you a question? Look right up here this morning. Would other people describe you in your life as a faithful, devoted worshiper of the Lord? Are those words that would be that you would even use to describe your own spiritual journey as faithful and devoted? You know, I think for many of us, if if we were honest, we would use words like faithless. We would use words like infrequent. We would use words like unfaithful. Maybe you would use a word like indifferent to describe your worship of God. And yet here are two saints for us that stand out as faithful worshipers of God. What do we discover about them? First, we discover that they're worshipers, but then secondly, we discover that Simeon and Anna are both described, and here's my alliteration, they're very worn, all right? And, and by that, I mean they're very what? They're old. Yeah, uh, more than likely, he was well advanced in years, and we're told that Anna in this passage is how old? She's 84, so I would classify her. She's there, all right? And, and Simeon knew that his time on earth was nearing to the end. And, and, and Anna here is 84 years old. And, and really, she is well beyond the average life expectancy for a person in that day and time. And so here is, is Simeon and Anna. And, and, and both of them, their ages stand out to me in this passage. And, and at first, you might look at the age and you say, well, well, that's kind of inconsequential. But let me just tell you this. Anytime the Bible uses a character feature or something to describe an individual about their appearance, about their age, about anything, about their vocation, it's significant in the story. And so here we discover something significant about both of these two individuals in that they are old. Now, what does this highlight for us? It highlights for us that here Anna and Simeon are in this age where they're beginning to, to really feel the limitations of their humanness. That despite the first point that they are faithful and devoted to God, here we discover that both of them in their old age are well aware of their own finiteness. They, they, they both understand that, that there is a day that, that is fixed. They, they, they are both in their old age and maybe even frailty. They, they understand their inability to change the situation. There is nothing that they can do to lengthen their days. I'm sure Anna and Simeon both were well acquainted with the words of the psalmist that says, we bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are 70, or if by reason of strength, 80, yet their span is but toil and trouble. And they are soon gone and we fly away. 
So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. And so what do we discover about Simeon and Anna? That they're at this point in their age where they're old and they're facing really the end of themselves. They know that their time on earth is short. They know that that their days are numbered. And yet Simeon is holding out for this promise that he will see the Lord's Christ. And so here they are in their old age and they're just completely powerless. There's nothing in their life they can do to somehow change the situation. There's nothing that they can do to somehow make the promises of God come to pass faster than they will. And do you realize the same is true for us today? Do you realize, my friend, the same is true for us today? Here's the reality. Some of us are not finding the all-sufficiency of Christ because we're just too preoccupied with ourselves. Anna and Simeon were, were resting in the all-sufficiency of Christ, of the Messiah, the one who was to come. But I wonder how often can you and I get so preoccupied in our own life with ourselves that we, that we somehow miss what God is doing. We, we, we can find ourselves in those seasons of waiting and rather than rest on the all-sufficiency of God, our eyes are so often focused on ourselves. But can I tell you, my friend, this morning, the Bible tells us that His strength and His grace are made perfect in our what? in our weakness. So the scriptures call us in our weakness. Notice then for Christ's sake, we are to be content with weakness. Content with insults. Content with hardships. Content with persecution. Content with difficulties. Why? Because when I am weak, then he is strong. Look at my friend, anyone can make a promise, but the reality is that God is great at keeping them. And, and in this season of Advent, we're celebrating the faithfulness of God that he is true to his promises. If you look right up here at the communion table this morning, you notice that all of the Advent candles aren't lit. Why is that? Because Christ has come. And that the all-sufficient one has come. And, and all the things that, that we're longing for, our hope, our peace, our, 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 the, the, the sense of love and, and joy has all been fulfilled in Christ. And I don't know where you're at, my friend, this morning, but here's what I believe with all my heart, that you can be in a season of waiting today and you can feel that, that, that you are at the end of yourself and you feel completely worn and, and you feel so powerless to change the season of waiting that you're in. But it is in that waiting, it is in that season, my friend, that you find God's strength and his grace in deeper notes in your life than you've ever experienced before. That when you lean on everlasting arms, he will carry you through. And so what do we find? We find Anna and Simeon, and what do we discover about them from their life? We discover first that they are faithful and devoted worshipers. Secondly, they are worn. But thirdly, the, the, the most important thing really in this passage in that they are waiting Notice verse 25, the Bible says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting. He was waiting. If someone was to ask him on a day, Simeon, what are you waiting for? He would say, I'm waiting 
for the consolation of Israel. He said, what do you mean by that? He says, I'm waiting for what God has promised to his people to come true. I'm waiting for what God had said he would do and that he would complete. He says, I'm waiting for one who is this prophet and priest and king. So how do you know that? I read it in my Bible. (laughs) Why don't you go read your Bible? Maybe you'd see it and find it as well. That there is this one, the Messiah, who's to come. And, and, and I, I dare say he never even said, he even said, you know what? And the Holy Spirit of God has told me that I will see the Messiah before I am to die. You see, there was this promise of something that he was waiting. And likewise, notice we also, we find Anna, she's waiting. Notice verse 37. She did not depart from the temple Worshiping with fasting and prayer, night and day. So we're told in the story that Anna was a virgin and then she got married and then it's after seven years, then she's now a widow and now she's been a widow for, well, as long as it is to get to 84 years. And she's waiting. You know, it's quite striking, someone like Anna, that, that, that wasn't what you did in that day and age. Uh, if, you, if you lost a spouse, more than likely, someone like Anna would have gone and gotten remarried, started a family. But she transforms her grief into this season of waiting. And, and she's there in the temple, and the Bible says she's there night and day. And she did not leave. What do we discover about seasons of waiting The question for all of us this morning is this. Anna and Simeon were both faithful, devoted worshipers of God. They were worn. They were waiting. But notice, here's the question. How were they waiting? Look down in your Bible and someone tell me, verse 37, how were they waiting? Worshiping. Worshiping with fasting and prayer. I mean, they're both at the temple. The temple is the place where you meet with God. The the, the temple is the place where you come to experience the presence of God. And, And Anna and Simeon are there in the temple and they're meeting with God and they both, in having seen the Messiah, like burst out in song of praise, worshiping God. I, I mean, I mean, their heart is just filled with worship that as they're waiting, they're, they're, they just, you know, notice in just a moment, we'll see as Simeon sees the, the Lord's Christ, he just bursts out with this song of praise. Anna, as she sees the Messiah and overhears these things, she bursts out in her heart with song of praise. Here's the thing I know, my friend, you do not burst out with songs of praise in your heart if at first you do not have a heart and a posture of worship. If your heart's not in a place of worship, it'll never come out of your mouth. Just yesterday, I was working on a project around the house, and uh, I was trying to put up trim around an unsquare door. Any of you ever tried to square an unsquare door? All thanks to my great carpentry skills, you know? And I'm having Jessica hold a level and a, and a hammer, and a, I, I need her to have about five arms as I'm trying to do this project, you know, and I'm trying to level uh, the trim, and I just can't get it, and I'm just... <laughs> I'll just be... Moment of confession. Moment of confession. I did not ever think about just bursting out in the song of the doxology. <laughs> Never crossed my mind. 
I said other things. Why? Because I wasn't worshiping. If we worship God, it's already here. And it spills out. And the reason could be why it's not spilling out in your life is because you've not positioned your heart to worship the Lord. You've set your heart and affections on something else. There's something else you're longing for more. There's something you're waiting for more. And here's the reality, my friend. You will break out in songs of praise if your heart is already in a posture of worship. And so what is Anna and Simeon doing? I love it. They're there and they're worshiping while they're waiting. They're worshiping while they're waiting. You know, when the Bible talks about wait, the Hebrew word in the Old Testament for wait is literally it carries this idea of to bind together. It's this idea of taking two things and twisting them together, kind of like what you'd see a braided rope. It's this idea that you're binding yourself, you're tying yourself, you're twisting yourself into the thing that you're hoping in. And, and when the Bible talks about wait in the Old Testament, it, it always carries this idea of waiting with anticipation, waiting, looking forward. But let me ask you this morning, how many of you ever gotten frustrated in your waiting? Can I see your hand? You know, that's not really biblical waiting. Frustration is not waiting. Waiting in the Bible is not this frustrated impatience that you just want it to resolve as quickly as possible. Waiting in the Bible is really hopeful living. It's this idea of eager anticipation. It's this idea that you're living, looking toward the future, welcoming in whatever God has in store for you. You're not frustrated, hoping to get to a moment. You're, you're living in the reality of the present with an eager expectation for what God will do in the future. Here, listen to what the Bible says. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. And so waiting holds on to a promise of God even when you don't see the promise being fulfilled. Waiting is that eager expectation that, that you have faith that God is working and, and in the working and the waiting, you worship. Notice here in this passage, Simeon knew that every day of his waiting was one day closer to the fulfillment of his hope. I believe he woke up every morning and put his feet on the ground asking the question, I wonder if today is the day. Anna, same way. Anna's waiting, and she's waiting with hope. She's waiting. Notice why. She had anchored herself in the presence of God in the temple for decades. Why? Because she's waiting. She's waiting for, for, for the redemption of Jerusalem. Simeon is waiting for the consolation of Israel. And both of them, for, Emmett, for Simeon and Anna, they, they, they stand out to us as great pictures of people in the Bible who practiced Daily waiting. Can I ask you this morning, what is your mindset in the season of waiting that God has you in right now? I wonder for you, 
Are you trying to escape the season? Are you trying to do everything in your effort to, to resolve the tension? You know, some of us, when we feel that, that gap of, of, of uncertainty of, of what God is doing and what he may be up to, we, we, we find ourselves often just spiraling and, and questioning. And, 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 and then before long, the cynicism and doubt just, just strangles us. And, and we find ourselves not anticipating with expectation, but we find ourselves waiting in frustration. And I wonder this morning, what is your mindset to the season of waiting that God has you in right now? And what would it look like, my friend, what would it look like to shift your mindset from this frustrated impatience of what God hasn't done up to this point? Rather, you would say, Lord, I'm going to worship you in the waiting. And I'm going to trust that as God of the universe and, and sovereign over all things, that, that whatever you bring into my life this year, as I'm waiting, I'm going to trust you. You see, Anna and Simeon are in the temple, and they are faithful worshipers. They're worn. They're waiting. But they're waiting. They're worshiping while they're waiting. Look right up here. What would it look like today to transform your frustrated impatience for a sincere, active worship of prayer and praise? Do, do you see the difference? Do you see the connection? You know, life is all worship. Worship is not just what we do corporately on Sunday morning. The Bible says that we are to live our lives every day a living sacrifice. Amen. Every moment of our life is to be worship. In the moments where things seem great, in the valleys when it's difficult, in those stints of long waiting, our life is to be filled with, with worship. And some of you right now are in a season in your life where you recognize you're powerless to change the situation. And in the disappointing season that, that you found yourself in, you're, you're wrestling in that moment in this frustration. And, and I'd encourage you and all love to say this morning, what would it look like if we, if we turned in our frustration and let go of our frustration and rather we just found ourselves pressing in in worship to the Lord? What would it really look like for you today to worship God in your waiting? Like right now in this moment, what would it look like for you in that thing that you're hoping for and longing for, what would it look like to begin binding your heart to a promise of God? What is something today that you need to know about God and, and something that you're struggling to believe about God, but what would it look like every day of our life if we were to take our thoughts captive in Christ and that when we began to, to go in a direction that is spiraling us in a place we ought not be, we rather captivate our thoughts in Christ and, and anchor our heart to the promises of God and we begin to rest in who he is. Wouldn't that change the waiting? Wouldn't that even change what the waiting feels like? You see, what do these two godly senior saints show us? They show us what it looks like to be in tune with the Spirit of God. Notice verse 25 again. The Bible says the Holy Spirit was upon him and it had been revealed to him by whom? Say it louder, by whom? Verse 25, verse 26, by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came, Simeon came that day in the what? 
Say it louder. In the what? In the Spirit. And so Simeon comes that day. He is led by the Spirit. You realize that Simeon in this moment of his life is teaching us and showing us how to discern the, the, the leading of God in our life? He, he, he's, he's having to learn how to discern as we do what is, what, is a, what is an impulse from us and then what is a prompting and the leading of the Spirit of God. How, how many of you have been a Christian for a few years and you're saying, I'm still kind of trying to get that. Can I see your hand? I, I mean, I have. I have. And then you like kind of step back from the situation and you're like, wow, I guess God wasn't really leading the way that I thought. There was a lot of me leading where I thought God wanted me to go. But if I'm really being led by the Spirit, notice as, as Simeon was, he comes, I love this, I, I, love, I love this point in the story. Simeon is led by the Spirit of God. Notice he goes that day to the temple and he's obeying. He's worshiping in his waiting and the Spirit of God speaks and the Spirit of God prompts and leads. And so the Bible says Simeon goes. I don't know if he had plans to go to the temple that day, but when the Spirit of God impressed it on his heart that he was going to go to the temple that day, he obeyed and he goes. And he's there in the temple. And I just love it. Here's this old guy in the temple and he's hanging out there. And you know what he's doing? He's people watching. And you guys like to people watch? Simeon's out there people watching. And he's watching as all of these couples come in and some are carrying babies. And he's asking and really in his heart, he's saying, Lord, is that the one? Hey, I wonder about that one. Could, 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 that, could that be the Christ? You see, he's in the temple that day and he's watching with anticipation. And then he sees from across the temple, he sees this couple come in and they have a baby boy and they go and they purchase these two little pigeons and and it's like the Spirit of God says to Simeon, that's the one. And so he makes his way awkwardly across the temple, dodging people as he's coming up to Mary and Joseph. And then he, he asks them that question. He says, hey, I, I know this might be a little strange, but uh, can I hold your baby? You know? And so what do they do? They, they, Mary gives baby Jesus to Simeon. And notice what Simeon does. He just burst out in this praise. Lord, you are now letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation. That what you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for the revelation of the Gentiles and glory for all your people. Israel, Simeon's looking at the Christ and he says, for my eyes have seen your salvation. God had been faithful. God had been true. And as Simeon there holds the Christ child in his arms, he, he knows that this one was born to save. The Bible says that Christ was born to save his people from their sins. And Simeon understands that this is salvation for all people everywhere. For, for, for Gentiles and for Israel, that they, they will experience the salvation of God. And so then Simeon, he then looks to mom and dad and he says to Joseph and Mary, as they're just marveling, I mean, this is like the strangest baby dedication you've ever been to, right? Some random guy in the temple takes your baby, gives this blessing, and then it gets really strange right here because Simeon says to Mary, behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel 
and for a sign that is opposed? I mean, it's like the preacher on a baby dedication morning saying to a parent, your child will be hated and your child will be loved. The reality is that's true today. There's no middle ground when it comes to the cross. People are either for Christ or they're against Christ. You either believe in Christ and you find salvation in no other name or there is salvation in no one else. And notice here, we find in verse 35 the, the first hint of the cross for at least Mary and Joseph. Notice verse 35, Simeon, he looks directly in the eyes of Mary and he says, Mary, he says, a sword will pierce through your own soul. I wonder, man, how much Mary must have remembered that phrase. As she just went through life wondering, I wonder what that old guy in the temple meant when he said a sword will pierce through my soul. I don't think she could have known it in the moment. But one day as she stands there on the hillside of Golgotha and she looks to a cross where her son is stretched out, arms bleeding, dying for the sins of the world. I think Mary looks to that cruel Roman cross as she sees her son there nailed and she watches in her eyes as that Roman soldier takes out a spear and pierces it through the side of her son. And as he pierces in the side of her son, no doubt it was like a dagger in the heart as it pierced through her soul. You see, when you think about Christ coming in a manger, you can't disconnect the coming of Christ in a manger from the cross. And there, Mary and Joseph are in some way given this prophecy, although they don't understand it. And so Simeon saying all these things, and notice finally as we're drawing to a close, verse 38, coming up that, that very hour, we find Anna, and she begins to give thanks to God. She begins to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who are waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. You see, what do we discover this morning about this, these individuals in the temple? We discover that Simeon and Anna are both faithful, devoted worshipers of God. They're both worn. They're, they're in a season of life where, where they're longing for, for something. And, and in the midst of their longing, they're waiting. They're waiting for the redemption of Israel. They're waiting for the consolation of Israel. And yet here they are, these worshipers who are worn and they've been waiting. And finally, what do we discover? That now they are witnesses. They're witnesses. I mean, Anna kind of overhears Simeon talking. And she makes the connection. I believe also by the leading of the Holy Spirit. And she starts going around the temple saying, Hey, 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 hey! You know the one you're waiting for? That's him. That's him. I mean, she just, do you see it there? She, she, she speaks of him to all who are waiting. I mean, she's, she's, I, I believe she's just prophesying, man. She's boldly declaring, this is the one. Hey, you know the one you've been waiting for? That's him. That's him. And as, and as, and as this moment, and as this catching on in the temple, you find that, that Simeon and Anna understood that, that this news of what they were encountering that day wasn't news just for them. But it was news that, that they are to proclaim to others. So look right here. As we're drawing to a conclusion this morning, what do we discover? Well, we discover something about Simeon and Anna. 
that together they teach us what it means to keep praying. They teach us what it means to keep trusting in God's timing, even when it's not your own. They teach us what it looks like to wait in our worship, to worship in our waiting, and, and what it looks like to bind our hearts to the promises of God. That together they, they teach us that the good news that we've received in Christ is not just for ourselves, but it is news that, that we cannot keep to ourselves, but we must proclaim to others. And here's the reality this morning. I believe today, as I've been preparing for this week, I trust, and in fact, I believe I know that there are many, many people in our church today that are in a season of waiting. You realize that often we're longing for answers more than we long for the one who can give those answers. And I wonder about you today. Maybe you'd be here today and you say, man, God, forgive us. God, forgive me. Because I've been pretty impatient in the waiting. I've found myself being really frustrated in the season. And, and, and today, Lord, I, more, more than even longing for you to, to do whatever or to answer whatever, I, I, I long for you. Lord, I just want you. I, I want to worship in the waiting. And here's, here's Simeon and Anna, and, and, and they're waiting. So here's my question to you this morning. What are you being forced by God to wait on today? What just came to mind? What are you being forced to wait on today? How many of you raise your hand in a moment of honesty and you say, Pastor Aaron, right now in the season of my life, there's something I'm waiting for. Can I see your hand? Hold it really up high. Just keep it up high and look around the room. Now put your hand down. Let me ask you, what would it look like to shift your mindset about your waiting? What would it look like to walk out of this room today with a different thought? And rather than finding yourself increasingly frustrated, increasingly impatient, what would it look like if you began cultivating today in your life a heart of worship in the waiting? a heart of, of active prayer and worship, delighting in the one who answers more than the answers he gives. And here is Anna and Simeon, and they are highlighting for us what it looks like to live with hope. I mean, they are, they are faithful saints who are showing us what it looks like to wait and to worship in the waiting. I'll leave you with the words of Isaiah 40. The Bible says, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. So hope in the Lord. Turn to your neighbor this morning and remind him of that phrase, hope in the Lord. Father, we love you. We thank you that you are a God and we are not. Just in that alone, we recognize that, Lord, we are filled with limitations. There are many things in our life that, Lord, we want to change and we feel powerless to do so. There's seasons of situations in our life we want resolved and if we could just wave a wand and do away with it, Lord, that would be our response, but, but that's not often how you work. 
And as we open up our Bibles, we can just read story after story after story of, of Old Testament and New Testament saints that, that were in long expected seasons of waiting. In fact, Lord, part of the Christian life is just that hopeful waiting. Today, we are waiting as we long for your coming, as we look forward to your return. So, Father, my prayer today is for every person in this room that they would know that, Lord, today you're present in their life. You're aware of their waiting. The situation that they find themselves is not any news to you. But Lord, sometimes our heart and our response is not what it ought to be. Sometimes anger and cynicism and doubt and frustration often crowd out this hopeful anticipation of what you would do. And so in that, Father, we say, would you forgive us? And Lord, I pray you would help each one of us to choose differently. Lord, even beginning today, in our season of waiting, Lord, we would begin to cultivate this heart of worship in the waiting. We love you. We praise you and thank you. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, would you stand your feet this morning? Jessica's going to play. And I just invite you in this moment to just to get quiet with the Lord. Just bow your head there in your seat and the altar's open this morning. Maybe you want to come and just meet with God. There's some who've requested prayer in our church this morning. Would you pray for them? But I wonder if God spoke to you directly this morning about your waiting. Would you take a step of, of faith to trust God in the season today? Would you just take time right here at the altar to worship God in the waiting? So I invite you right now to come as the Spirit of God leads. Respond to what God's doing in your heart today. Just delight in Him. Pour out there in your soul praise to God. What would it look today to delight in the one who gives answers? Before we seek anything from God's hand, what would it look like to simply seek his face? To delight in his goodness, his love, his faithfulness, his peace, his joy. Just tell the Lord how grateful you are for him. Praise him.
Guys, can you pull up that song that Jessica's playing, O Come, All You Unfaithful? May we sing this song this morning as a prayer to the Lord. What a beautiful song it is to think about God's faithfulness in our waiting, in our frailness, in our weakness. We discover something about God's strength. We discover something about His grace. And my friend, when we rest on those loving, everlasting arms, God will not let you down. He is faithful to His promise. Amen. You know what I know is there's a lot of us in a season of waiting. The whole Christian life is filled with waiting. My encouragement to all of us this morning, we look into a new year, 24. God, help us to be encouraging to one another. Lord, help us to stir up one another to love and good works. Help us that in our waiting, we um, find others that we can confide in and share struggles with and trust that, um, man, God's good. And let's delight in that. My prayer for you is that in the new year, you have some way of um, meeting with God every day. If you're looking for a devotional, you find some great ones online, Bible reading plan, but, but some, something where, where it's going to challenge you to, to, to change your thinking about your waiting and uh, to dwell on those thoughts and those promises. You know that, that verse in the New Testament that says we're to take captive our thoughts in Christ? I mean, raise your hand and say, that's hard work. Man, that's hard work. But there is great joy that comes in our life when we do it. So that's our prayer. Father, we pray your blessings on each person today in this church. As we go into a new year, Father, we know that we are resting on everlasting arms. We are trusting you that, God, today, while there's this gap in our heart of things that we're expecting, longing for, you are the good giver of everything. And that even in the waiting, Lord, you are still good. And maybe it is that there's something in those seasons that you're teaching us about yourself. You're teaching us about ourselves. And we're just thankful. We're thankful to know that, Lord, you are a God that keeps his promises. And, Lord, as we hear the story today fulfilled in Simeon and Anna, that, God, what you have promised you will be faithful to. And so we just rest everything. We, we give everything, Father, to you as a church today. And we ask that, Lord, you would, by your spirit, strengthen us in these days of waiting to be faithful, to be devoted. And we give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen.